as the guys are going to come forward, uh, you know, it says in everything that we do as a church, I think it does not change that we seek God first. I mean it. I mean it. There are so many things that we worry about in life, and there's so many things that are so heavy. And every time we seek God first, don't you see him come through? Isn't God faithful? Isn't God faithful? We, we try to make our stories and we try to design our stories a certain way, but God is faithful. And if he has been faithful all the way till now, why don't we continue to trust him? And that's what we do in our giving, our living. And today I'm going to pray and then we're going to run into this. Uh, if you got your bulletins, there's a lot of things going on from uh, if you, your mom, you have kids, there's something on Wednesday. We have things also going on with Urban Outreach this month. There's a lot of things going on, so please keep up. And if you want to be a part, if you want uh, to be a part of something, you got to take part. You can't wait for someone to just uh, always bring you along. Sometimes you got to take a step of faith and take part. Amen? All right. They're like, no. <laughs> Amen? All right, thank you. That's when Christians say amen. It's like when I say amen, and then you guys say amen. All right, that's good, that's good. Uh, we're going to try that a couple times, a couple times. But let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We seek first the kingdom of God and your righteousness, Lord God. Not what we think is right, but what is right according to your word, Lord God. According to your words, Jesus. And all the rest of the things that we worry about, the future that we worry about, the past that we can't get over, I pray, Lord God, is, is redeemed in Jesus. It's set free in Jesus. All the weight, all the burdens, Lord God, we cast it on you, Lord God, and we trust you with our lives and the more we trust you the more freedom that we find in you lord god and i pray in the name of jesus that today that we would be who you called us to be lord god in our lives in our living in our giving in jesus name we pray everyone said amen amen today we are on part four of the message series and it's called the way say the way that's right that's spiritual disciplines for normal people, ordinary people, ordinary people like you and me, right? We, we, there's a, we think that we're like, oh, I'm extraordinary. No, we're ordinary. We're ordinary. But God does something in us, and he can take ordinary people and do extraordinary things through him. And that's what we're desiring. Because I believe, and listen, 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 I believe the church is the most powerful life giving hope bringing darkness shattering justice exposing gospel living answer to prayer being people on this earth i mean it what we don't know is the power the spirit of god when we say holy spirit you're welcome here we're not just saying do no normal things like help me just be here and listen better no we're saying you're welcome here and everything that can go on in your kingdom in heaven can go on right here lord god what we bind on earth we bind in heaven and we understand that god's kingdom is here but we 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 are so caught up in the ordinary or in 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 the busyness of life and and i believe you we we don't go to church we are the church of jesus and we meet together to push each other on, to dare together, to encourage one another so that we don't fade back, so we don't draw back. I'm excited for what God wants to do in your lives as the church. I am excited. I am. I know you're like, I'm not excited. I'm not that excited. I'm excited. More than ever before, 
More than ever before, for my life personally, I've been in more prayer than ever before. And it's interesting because I'm way more excited. There's an anticipation as we draw closer to God and God draws, draws closer to us. There's an anticipation in us. I'm like, I, I can't wait for what you're up to. I can't wait. And, and, and maybe you don't sense that today, but I'm sensing just moments where God is anticipating. God is moving, and we might not see the whole picture, but God is doing a great work. But I want you guys to be in on it. I don't want, to, I don't want moments of God to pass by and we miss it. Because we are not willing to take the next step. I'm excited because at the end of the day, Jesus Christ is God in flesh. And he gave his life on the Roman cross, taking on our judgment on himself. Then he was resurrected from the dead to prove that he was God, that death has not won, and new life is going to overtake darkness. And you're in on it. You're in on it. I'm telling you, more than ever, if you, are, if you are discouraged and you are wondering if Jesus is for real, why don't you do all the research of the historic Jesus? He's as real as can be. All the world has been moved from B.C. to A.D. The Roman Empire changed radically in three centuries that everything was changed. There is a cross at the Colosseum today. Can you imagine telling a Christian that there would be a cross in the Colosseum one day? I'm telling you, when God wants to do something, he's going to get it done. No matter if we think it's impossible, he is looking for just people, his church, to believe that it is possible and say, God, I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm in on it with you, God. And I don't want this normal life that everyone else is living. I believe you give. You are the only one that gives me the fullness of life. And that nothing else can give. That nothing else can give. That money can't buy. That sex can't give. That the relationships outside Christ can't give. All the things that we think is extraordinary, God is like, man, you are so easily satisfied when I have something so much more for you, my people, my children. And you're in on it. Just what if the life you really want, a life of eternal purpose, united in community, united in Christ, is right before you. Yet we, and we continue to settle for less. What if it's right in your grasp? Paul wrote, therefore we are ambassadors for Christ. God is making his appeal through us. I implore you, I beg you on behalf of Christ to be reconciled to God. Be together with God, back together, back in union with God. Not as spectators, but participators with Jesus. Take hold of this way of life. That's what we're talking in the way take hold of the way of Jesus to the full life which always starts with obedience and obedience every time is hard obedience is never easy and obedience is every day you wake up every day and you choose to be obedient again and then we practice the presence of God we practice the practices of Jesus Practice number one, we said it was joy. We are serious about celebration. Practice number two is prayer, a life with God. I beg you to take prayer seriously. 
When you take prayer seriously, you begin to take sin seriously, and you begin to take God seriously, and your world begins to erupt with the presence of God. You begin to see God moving all over the place as you take prayer, and I take prayer seriously. Practice number three is serving, and that's what I'm going to talk to you about today. I can go off on two, but I'm no longer going off on two. But if you would join me in fasting and praying, even this week, If you would just take one day and you would dedicate, consecrate that day, set it apart for Jesus, taking one little step in prayer. I believe that is is the secret weapon. And I, I, and, I, and I don't know why I'm going back to that. Prayer is not, is not us trusting God. Prayer is God working in us so that he could trust us with the purposes and the provisions for our lives. Prayer is making us. It's the process God uses so that he could trust us with what he wants to do through you for his glory and for the good of people. That's what prayer is. But we're going to go on serving. We're going to go on serving. As you can see, I'm dressed up in my uh, San Francisco gear. Anyone like San Francisco Giants? One. (laughs) Boo. If you look at Terry, he's all in Colorado Rockies gear. And I said, Terry, what's up, man? Yeah, I said, what's up? What's up? What's going on? As a kid, I loved baseball. Here's, here's my glove, right? And, 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 and I have not used this in a very, very long time. But as a kid, I love, 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 love baseball. And I used to travel two hours to go to Candlestick Park to watch my San Francisco Giants. And now, and let, let me tell you, this was not a normal ride on the bus. This was taking one train and two buses, and one was called Sam Trans, and it would come only one hour at a time. So we would have to wait for many hours to get there on the Sam Trans bus. And also, if you know about how San Francisco is, you had to go through the ghettos to get to Candlestick Park. It was the Samoan ghettos. It was crazy. I was like, oh, my gosh, these people are gigantic. And, and I was like maybe 200 pounds less than I am today. It was me and my brother. We had our gloves. We had our hats. We had our giant shirts on. And we would go to this game. And we would risk our lives through the ghettos because baseball was life, right? Baseball. I was like, I would do anything for baseball. And I, would take, I was willing to take that, that risk. Just imagine two Asian boys in the back of the bus riding for hours on end to, with, to sit in, in the outfield hoping to catch a home run ball. And we sat in the outfield because that's what paper route money seats get you, right? You don't get good seats. You get outfield seats, right? But yet after all the games we attended, all the gear we accumulated, all the hours of watching baseball, memorizing stats. I loved Will Clark and Kevin Mitchell, and I love these pitchers and Burkett. And I said, you're like, these are really old players telling you my age here. But guess what? I still did not make the high school baseball team. It was a very sad day. But why? Why did I make that team? I looked apart. I had the hat. I had the uh, little eye, whatever, and I had the glove. I had the right cleats. I mean, I spent so much money looking the part. I knew all the information, but I didn't do one thing. Practice. (laughs) Practice? Who said anything about practice, right? (laughs) Yeah, some of you guys got that. That's an Iverson quote, right? I didn't practice. 
I had all the gear. I had the jersey on. I watched all the San Francisco games. I was, it was the training that I lacked, the practice, the weights, the grind when no one was watching. See, performance on the field is an accumulation of a lifetime of hard work and practice and practice. And practice is not about who you are today, but who you're becoming. So I want to ask you, who are we becoming? Who are we becoming? Because in the same way, the life of Jesus looks so far from our reality. You ever look through the life of Jesus? You look through the book of Acts and you're like, man, how do I get from here to that? How do I get from here to, uh, to the life that Jesus has called me to? <laughs> and like, you, it looks so far away. The way he loved, the way he sacrificed, the w- way he responded to haters, his boldness of faith, his miracles. And, he, you, you, and, and John says, you will do even greater things. And you're like, I don't even get that. How do I get from this mess to what Jesus has called me to do? You might be saying, John, I'm doing good just to make it to church, not fighting with my wife, not, not cussing on the way in traffic when I go to work. How can I live and love the way Jesus did when I can't stop watching porn or stop gossiping or can't stop excessively buying stuff on Amazon, stuff that I don't need, or going on Chinese websites to buy jerseys of the Broncos? How can I stop? Right? And you think about this. This is so hard when I'm just struggling to read my Bible. Yet I want to encourage you. We all have to start somewhere. But it's not who we are today. But who are we becoming? Ask yourself that for a moment. Who am I becoming? I don't care what age you are. I believe that we could be who God says we are because he said it. I believe him. (laughs) Who are we becoming? If you have your Bibles, please turn to Mark 10. All right. We celebrate the word of God. And we believe the word of God has authority in our life. So go to Mark 10. And who here, I want to have a question. Who here desires greatness? And it's not a trick question. Who wants to be great at something, right? You want to be great. I think all of us, a great businessman, a great boss, a great husband, a great mom, a great student, a great leader, a great musician. There's all, all of us. I think we all desire greatness. I think it's in us. And this is what's going on in Mark 10 right now. James and John, two of Jesus' students, right, has aspirations of greatness. They want more from their lives than what's happening. They want a legacy to live out just like us in Mark 10 35 I'm gonna start reading from 35 and then James and John the son of Zebedee came to him Jesus and said teacher they said we want you to do for us whatever we ask that's a weird way to ask a question right that's how my children ask questions dad will you say yes I'm like what's the question (laughs) right that's how they're asking this question to Jesus it's funny I'm glad we're not like that right Uh, Verse 36, what do you want me to do for you, Jesus said. And he's playing along, and they reply, let one of us sit at your right hand and the other at your left hand in your glory. We want to sit next to you when you become king. We want little thrones next to yours, and we want greatness. And you know what they're doing? They're calling spiritual shotgun. 
<laughs> Shotgun, we want front seats. We want front seats. Verse 38, Jesus said to them, you don't know what you're asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink or be baptized with the baptism with which I am baptized? And Jesus is talking about his death on the cross. And they said to him, of course, we're able. We'll drink anything, Jesus. What do you want me to drink? Right? And Jesus is like, oh, man. Right? We'll do anything for front row seats. We're ready. And Jesus said to them, the, that the cup that I drink, you will drink. And with the baptism which I am baptized, you will be baptized. And he's saying, one day you will face persecution. One day you will die for following me. But to sit at my right hand, verse 40, or at my left is not mine to grant. It is for those whom it has been prepared. And when the ten others heard it, the other disciples heard it, they began to get indignant at James and John. They were mad. How dare you call shotgun? What pride, what arrogance to say out loud what we were all thinking. Now the rest of the disciples, we have to sit in those cheap seats in the outfield right next to me and Tino, right? Can you imagine the hostility? Everyone's trying to be great. You would think that you spend enough time with Jesus, they wouldn't ask dumb questions like that. But it's in us. All of us, we deal with this deep root of sin, which is pride. And we want, we want the best and the greatest, and we don't want to miss out on anything. And so sometimes we, 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 we do it God's way, and we think, oh, I know better. We do it our way. This is better. I'm going to be greater this way. And Jesus is like, oh, man, what's going on with you guys, this hostility? And so Jesus, to finish this off, called them to him and said to them, calm down. You know that those who are considered rulers, the bigwigs of the Gentiles, lord over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. But it shall not be so among you. Greatness might look like that in Rome. The best seats, the most stuff, the most authority, but greatness is not about those things. It doesn't work like that in the kingdom of God. You got it all wrong. And Jesus continues, but whoever would be great among you must be your servant. And I know you Christians, if you've been in church, you've heard this a million times. But I want you to have New Year's to hear today. Listen one more time. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant. And whoever would be first among you must be slave of all. This is a strong, strong word. A slave of all. That doesn't sound good. That doesn't sound like something. How upside down is that thought? We, me and you, we fight to be first, right? You, are you ever in traffic and you're trying to judge which one's going to go fastest because you need to go first? You ever get into the grocery line and you're in a hurry and you're trying to figure out which grocery line's the fastest and then you don't pick the right one? You're like, oh, right? Coupon lady again. Ah, oh, always behind her, right? We are always racing to be first. We are always in this hurry. And when we're in such a hurry, so trying to become first, we can miss out on so many things that God wants to do in us. And so here, how upside down is this? We're first in line, first to eat, to be the greatest, to be the top dog. Why? So we could be served. Truth. So we could be served. So we could be Lord over. So we could be in control, be the superior. But Jesus flips the script as always and asks us, what does love require of you? What does love require of you? This is the way to full life. 
In verse 45, he says, for even, say for even, the Son of Man, oh, we're going to start that again. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. Think about that. Not to be served, but to serve. Jesus came not to be served. This might sound so normal to you because we're American Christians. This is something insane. When the Jewish people heard this, they were like, what are you talking about? Jesus, you have all the cards. You are God in the flesh. You have every authority. And when you have all the cards, you want all the control. You don't want to serve. You want the cards, man. You want to be, be this is mind-blowing stuff that he's saying. We might just suck this in and say, oh, yeah, that's what Jesus does. I'm telling you, they have never heard anything like this. The Roman gods, Greek gods, says, I have all the power, and you come against me, I will crush you. And here comes Jesus flipping the script and says, I don't come to, I'm not here to be served. I'm here to serve, and I'm even going to give my life away for you. This is radically crazy. And gods have never said that ever, never in the history of the world. You will never hear that again. I came to be served. I mean, I came to serve. I came to serve. That is a crazy statement. Drink that in for a moment because that's what Jesus did for us. He came to serve. To serve. And he says, if it's not to be served. It's confusing because like I said, when you have the power, when you can be first, we always choose that, right? And here's Jesus flipping everything and saying, but this is how God works. When he, Jesus came to serve, to show us, to guide us into a new way of life. This is the kingdom life that's coming to renew our world today. And it's mind-blowing if you really think about it. If anyone should be served, it's the creator, not creation. It's the infinite, not the finite. It's the almighty, not the all messed up. But according to Jesus, greatness is service. Greatness is service. You want to be great? You want to be like God? You want your life to matter? You want to free yourself from all the pressures of the world, of pride and the traps of sin in your life? You, 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 man, you want to be happy? You want to have some joy? Stop doing it your way. You, you get what you get every time you do it your way. For, for Just for a moment, can we do it God's way and trust him? Humble yourself. Put others first. Trust him. And God says, I will lift you up. I will lift you up if you would trust me. God is trying to see if he can trust us with the life he has prepared for us. Think about that. With the promises that he has prepared for us, can he trust us that we are trusting in him? John Ortberg writes, he's a pastor, humility, if we could ever grow into it, would not be a burden. It would be an immense gift. Humility is the freedom to stop trying to be what we're not or pretending to be what we're not and accepting our appropriate smallness. 
Let me push this a little further. In the words of the Apostle Paul, he writes in Philippians 2, 5 to 8, you must have the same attitude. Say attitude. You have to say that with attitude. Attitude. That's right. That Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to, to be grasped, to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took a humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on the cross. Jesus, who is God in the flesh, humbled himself, lowered himself, and gave his life away so that he could save us. So write this down. Number one, serving is an attitude. Serving is an attitude. And attitudes matter. Lou Holt said this, life is 10% what happens to you and 90% how you respond to it. Attitude. Attitude. Servanthood is not a gift. You know, we, I don't have the gift of servanthood. It's like, I'm sorry, John, I can't serve there. I don't have that gift of servanthood, right? Someone else must do it. Please, Christians, you, you guys have to babysit because I don't have that gift of babysitting. I want to thank them. They babysat for Recovery Road this, this Friday, gave up their time. And I know they don't want hand claps and stuff like that, but it was an attitude saying, you know what, I know how those guys feel. I know what it means to be in that class. It's an attitude to put yourself at a place to say, I understand, Jesus. I trust you. It's an attitude. Servanthood is not a gift. You, you can't say, sorry, I can't help you. I don't have that gift. That's, that's garbage. Servanthood is an attitude. And it comes by denying our pride and stop making excuses. And, and it's, it takes practice and self-discipline, understanding Jesus served me gave his life for me when I was a complete car wreck. I know naturally people come to church wanting to receive something. I get it. I get it. Receive a good teaching. Receive encouragement. Receive great worship experience. Receive community. But what if God has a better way of receiving and he calls it serving? What if God has a better way of receiving and he calls it serving. He calls it serving. You want to know God in a deep way? Serve. You want to be great? Fulfill that thing, that, that burden in you? Serve. You want life with meaning? Serve. You want to leave a legacy? Serve. You want to know God in the deepest way? Serve. You want to be free of you? Serve. You want, to be, uh, you want community, authentic relationships? Serve. Come with an attitude of service. God, I'm not here to get something. I'm here to give you something. I'm here to give you something. I love that attitude. I love it when people come to worship, and it could be, it could be the worst instrumental time. The whole time, it could sound off, right? And they are just worshiping because they don't worship the music. They don't worship a good experience. They are here to say, God, I got something for you. I got something for you. And when you come with a hunger to give God something deep within you, when you want to give God your praise, you will not leave unfulfilled. God, I'm here to give you something. I'm not here to take something. I'm here to give you something. Give you my worship. Give you my gratitude. Give you my work. Give you my time. It's for you, God. And you might not get all the hype. 
all the recognition or the applause, but you will have the applause of one, the only one that matters. You might hear one applause, and you might never hear it again, and no one gave you any hype, but it don't even matter. You have the applause of one that matters. That matters. I'm telling you, don't exchange the applause of man for the applause of God, where he says, well done. Well done. I can't believe it. No one sees it, but I see you, Randy. No one sees you doing the work, but I see you practicing when no one else is practicing because you want to do and you want to give it with excellence. I see you. I see you, Desiree, the way you teach those kids in kindergarten. You do it as an act of worship. You do. You see them and you say, God, I pray for these kids. How can your gospel live in my life and flow to them, God? Dad, I got something for you, God. I got something for you. You live like that, I'm telling you, you will not leave unfulfilled. You will be filled. Next time you come into this room, don't expect great worship. Be, be, be great worshipers. Be great worshipers. And you might not get all that stuff, but I'm telling you, that hand clap of one is the only thing that matters. It's the only thing that matters. Just imagine God in heaven standing up and clapping for you. Oh, my goodness. It's the only thing that matters. And I can't wait because I believe in this room we're going to look at that. We're, we're going we're gonna to lock that in our, in our minds, and that's what we're going to desire. We're going to hunger. God, I got something for you. I got something for you. It's time to stop looking at serving as serving, but looking at serving as worship, as likeness to Jesus, as attitude. And number two, write this down. Serving is co-working. Serving is co-working. 1 Corinthians 3, 9 says this, For we are co-workers in God's service. You are God's field, God's building. Has anyone worked in the service industry? Anyone? You served some food, right? I used to make the worst sandwiches of all time. I was like, I can't believe people paid for these sandwiches that I made. They were disgusting, right? Because I was a kid, and I was a knucklehead. I was like, no one cares. It's like, I can't believe this is my job, right? You're making sandwiches. But when you're in the service industry, a barista at Starbucks, a waiter at Chili's, what's another word for waiter? Server, right? See, customers want to be served. They want to be sold on a product, and they want the best service. But coworkers, they're different, right? They're in on what's happening. They have a purpose to accomplish, which it brings in deep connection with one another. Servers in the back room, they're laughing, man. They're laughing at, at, at how crazy some customers are. Servers share the load. They share stories in the back room about table seven. Isn't that true? You're like, oh, man, table seven is crazy, right? They, they're nuts, and they laugh about it. There's a bond between coworkers. They have similar experiences because they're all in participation, getting the job done. they push and encourage one another and pick up each other's slack. There's a huge difference between being served and being a server. And today, Jesus is calling us to be in on it, to be a server, to be co-workers in God's service. Christians, you were never meant to just be served or stay being served. You were called into the family business as co-workers, as servers, not as customers. You want to be great? You want life to be fully alive? 
You want to know Jesus with intimacy? Get in on what he's doing. He's giving you a magical passageway that goes against everything that you feel. Stop wanting to feel a certain way. How about obedience today? As we're closing today, let's stand. Obedience is always hard, just like prayer is always hard. Celebrating people that are not, like when you, can you celebrate people that are, that are maybe got the raise that you didn't get? That reveals your heart. Can, can I celebrate other churches all around me that are doing a great job and instead of bringing up like comments like, oh, they probably do this or that. Can we celebrate people's worship and where they're at? Can we celebrate people's lives? Can we celebrate our husbands and our children? Can we be celebrators? Number two, can we pray? Prayer is so hard because it's supposed to be. When you're like, prayer is easy for me. Well, just wait, it'll get hard. <laughs> right? There are moments and seasons when it gets so difficult. But will we trust God in prayer when we don't feel it? And number three, will we serve with an attitude of Jesus as coworkers in on the purposes of what he is doing? We are in on it, and we're not here to get something. As customers, we're saying, God, I got something for you. I got something for you. See, at Hill City Church, we believe our vision is to light up this city where we live and the cities that you live with the tangible Jesus. Not just saying, I love you, but it has to be tangible. It has to be spiritual, socially, physically. There are people in this city that are so lonely. And you see them. You can see it in their eyes. You can see it in their smile. Have you ever smiled at someone and you saw in the depths of their eyes there was no joy? You saw that there were brokenness, but they were all put together? Maybe that's you too. Maybe that's you today. And I want to tell you, Jesus has a better way. And it comes in submission and obedience. He flips the script. Everything that you think it's not, it is. Meaning, you want to be great in God's kingdom? Become a servant. Humble yourself before God and say, God, I've been doing it my way. I've been doing it my way. I believe in this room with our heads bowed just for a moment. If you're in here and you need to confess you've been doing it your way, you have changed the gospel or the message of Jesus into something that fits your life a little easier, you have changed the way you've, you've raised your children, you changed the ways of your commitment to God because it's easier, and then you wonder why God's presence or His, his voice isn't as loud as it used to be. His purpose isn't beating on your heart like it used to be. I pray a lot of us in this room, me included, we need to move in confession and repentance and come back to the feet of Jesus and say, I need you, Jesus. I've been doing it my way. I try to be my own God, and I need you, Jesus. I humble myself. If that's you, do work. Do work right now. When faith is about us, Pride grows, blame grows, complaints grow, and we think what's in it for me, and we become customers of the gospel. And faith without works is dead. It rots, it stinks, it's foul. 
Who are we becoming? Can we boldly confess to God today? And you can do it under your breath. You can do it out loud. No one even cares. Can you right now be honest before God? Because the Holy Spirit is moving in your heart today and He's speaking to you and He's starting to point out areas of your life that you have grasped back on and said, this is mine, Jesus. You can't have that. And it's keeping us from God. It's keeping us from the life we really want. Who are you becoming? See, we have ways to serve in this church. But God has put some dreams in some of you. Dreams to live out in this kingdom. And I want to team up with you. I want to be with you. And I pray, start serving in those dreams. Practice service. Make it normal, repeatable. Schedule it weekly, monthly, yearly. You try to your way. What about for three months, you make a bold move and you give Jesus the reins of your life. I believe you would see God move in and through your life, your attitude, your change, and what's possible will change. And spiritual momentum and maturity will begin to sprout and life will become deeper in you. Practice service. For some of us, we've been Christians for years. This means, and we have not consecrated our life, set apart our life, that this relationship with God is above every relationship. It's not a life of balance. It's a life of full devotion. Dethroning yourself and enthroning Jesus. Giving God full veto power over your life. Because anytime God's about to do something amazing in our lives, he calls us to consecration to him. Right before the Israelites crossed the Jordan River to the promised land, God said, consecrate yourself for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. I pray in this room, for the Christians in this room, will you consecrate yourself back to God fully. Fully. And for those who are maybe have never walked with Jesus, will you Take a risk of faith and say, I've done it my way, Jesus. I want to do it your way and join in on what God is doing today. Just take a moment. Just take a moment. We have time, guys. Take a moment. Some of us, we need to pray out loud. Some of us, we need to get on our knees. If God is convicting you, you need to go and continue down that road right now. If you need to confess, confess out loud. It's okay. Heavenly Father, forgive us, Lord God, that we have taken the reins of our life and then we ask you to do something, God. Hallelujah.